Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello everybody, good evening, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Um, it's the uh, fourth episode of our British and Irish Lions specials that we're doing during the Lions Tour. Um, we're coming up to the first test this Saturday. We It was all going swimmingly, I had a really nice podcast schedule all mapped out for this week. So tonight we were going to speculate on who's going to be picked for the test squad that give us two clear days before they actually announced it. And then we were going to do like a live reaction afterwards to talk about the test squad. But then everything's been messed up because they brought the squad announcement forward and it's been leaked. So that balls that up. Um, so we're going to limp on regardless. And there's, there's been a, a fair bit of news swimming about anyway that we'll, we'll talk about. Um, to join me in dissecting the news, we have Ian Hay. Good evening, Ian. Hello, Cammy. Uh, we've got Johnny McGinty. Hello, Johnny. Hello, how are you doing? Uh, we've got Craig Manson. Craig, who's uh, very generously joined us tonight, given some of the news we're going to be talking about. Good evening, Craig. Thank you, Cammy. Nice to see you. Hello, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and, and to balance things out, because I couldn't let Ian and Johnny just have lots of fun, I've, I've brought, we've brought Rory along just kind of like to give Craig some backup. Hello, Rory. Hello. Am I going to be, well, am I going to be serious? I thought... I thought Craig and Johnny were both talking about Edinburgh and I could just pretend, go back to pretending that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when Johnny talks about Edinburgh, nobody listens to him anyway. All right, that's fine. <laughs> Designated fun sponge Rory, though. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, just tear so, and stop us getting sued. See, I could have, see, see, using the word fun sponge would, would have segged beautifully into our previous sponsors, but I'm not going to bother with that because um, they're not our sponsors anymore. Um, if you are watch, want to watch us live, we are currently live on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, if you want to listen to this podcast without adverts, you can sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Scottish Rugby Podcast for £3 a month. That also gets you exclusive content and access to our super secret social media group. Uh, good evening to everyone watching live with us as well. We've got Andy Lohan with us, regular, regular viewer slash listener. Good evening to Andy. Um, if you want to jump in with any comments tonight, we'll pick out some of the best ones to, to chat about as well. Um, we'll. We'll start with what I'm going to call Coxit. Coxit. It sounds nice. I like the way it almost rolls off the tongue. Sounds like your back sponges. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the pain in the ass, Craig, and that's that's it. <laughs> so Richard Cockrell, I'm rather surprisingly. Although looking back on it, maybe inevitably has left Edinburgh, um, it's a mutual parting of the ways to allow him to pursue other opportunities. Craig, we've we've talked on the podcast before about your views on Richard Cockrell and and maybe whether or not Edinburgh were progressing under him or or things had slowed a little bit. Was that a surprise to you? Um, the the last time we talked about it, I said there's something going to have to change. 
and I actually thought it was going to be someone below him because he had a contract through till 2023. <clears throat> so I thought it was somebody else that was going to go, but obviously um, the, the man himself has gone. Um, it does just mimic his Leicester Tigers sort of um, exit, although it was in a shorter time than his time at Leicester Tigers. But um, uh, it, it, it's it's it, it's kind of just comes in, makes a huge difference. Unfortunately, he didn't win anything with Edinburgh, but he won plenty with Leicester. And then um, the old way of bludgeoning um, your and punching your way through uh, to winning um, within either the Premiership or in the Pro 14 or the Ultimate Rugby Championship that it's now called um, it, it isn't the way. Um, or people can read it a lot quicker, and the game has outgrown them. And it and and I think it's got to that point where yeah, um, it's not surprising, but it was surprising if you understand what I mean. Yeah. I think Rory, it, it's it's maybe I don't want to speculate too much. I'll be sued, um, but it seems unusual the way this has come about. Because if it was the SRU's decision, you would think, given he's got a contract till twenty twenty three, there would be some money exchanging hands the other one way. And if it was that an opportunity had presented itself that he wanted to pursue, that the SRU would be getting money the other way so the fact that it's been mutual would suspect there is there have been some issues that we aren't party to although john barkley has written in the times today about some of them um that have kind of forced a kind of mutual agreement that no of, of a kind of so what, what what was it when um gwyneth paltrow split up with um the lad for coldplay conscious, conscious uncoupling. uncoupling yeah that's it <laughs> They've had a conscious uncoupling in which neither party is has to pay the other any money. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like they were from the the wording of the press release where they agreed to come to an agreement. It sounds like they decided at the end of last season that it wasn't continuing. But this being the SRU, they then decided to leave it till the week after preseason starts to announce it. Even though they, it seems like they knew about it, um, either that or Hamish Watson's phoned up from South Africa and says, look. I know it's bad here with the COVID, but I'm not coming back if Cockers is taking preseason. <laughs> <laughs> There's people actually rioting in the streets in South Africa, but I'm not willing to leave the country yeah. unless he goes. <laughs> um, Johnny, what I mean, I think there was maybe a little bit of um, envy, I suppose, from Glasgow fans that Edinburgh had got Cockrell, someone of his kind of calibre. I know you had Dave Rennie um, for a little bit, and we know how that worked out. But uh, is that was it a surprise to you that, that Cockrell went? I think, yeah, it was obviously coming. Surprised at when it came. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, Dave Rennie, is that I'm, I'm beginning to suspect that this might be a Pro 14 problem or a URC now problem, that the turnover of coaches, head coaches in the, the Pro 14 that go to seek a new opportunity is, outside of Leinster, it's unbelievable. I mean, even in just the last five years, we've lost Townsend, then we lost Rennie. Edinburgh have now lost Cockrell. Um, Scarlet's lost Brad Moore, and then they got rid of Glenn Delaney, and then they lost Dwayne Peel already because he's going to Cardiff. Corrett lost Pat Lamb to the Premiership. It just seems to be that, the, that most top coaches see the Pro 14 as quite a quick stepping stone. And it's I think the league as a whole needs to have a think about what they're going to do about that because we can't keep up with that turnover of coaches all the time. 
it's almost like you get uh, the World Health Organization to declare a pandemic of pursuing <laughs> other opportunities. Um, you know, I mean, maybe I mean, you know, we've we've talked last week about the you know Jay Z's takeover of the URC and the way that's going. So maybe if if this does become the coolest, greatest rugby union league in the world, then that might help. But it's not. It's maybe not helpful that it's a. It's another coach gone and. Well, as, as well as the cool, it's going to bring the cash. Um, and, you know, like Johnny said, it's a stepping stone. Uh, you know, he was talking about coaches. We just need to think about all the players that, that Glasgow in particular have lost. Um, there's just not enough money um, to keep people in. Um, well, if, as long as they're getting progression, whereas we don't know exactly what's happened with, uh, with Richard. But, um, you know, obviously I've sat on a lot of press conferences last season and last season was unprecedented circumstances um but no he, he seemed like he was he was happy enough uh, and, and he did quite quite often say he was you know he was building a project um but you know it, professional sport it is what it is you know this is it's a results-based business and last season edinburgh were i think statistically the worst or, well they were the second worst team uh behind treviso who then went and Bloody one of the Rainbow Cup. Um, so it was a Treviso, bit of a surprise. Treviso, who are actually better, better technically now better than uh, the British and Irish Lions. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, beat, they beat South Africa. Uh, Bulls beat South Africa A. Eh? South Africa A beat British, Irish and Lions. But who beat the who beat the Bulls? Bennett and Treviso. Greatest team in the world. Yeah. <laughs> get, get them playing the Crusaders. That's it. <laughs> Um, Craig, um, John Barkley wrote in the Times today, it's behind a paywall, but we, we'll talk about what he said anyway, which he was fairly damning about Richard Cockrell. I think he kind of like said he was positive in the kind of turnaround he'd, he'd made at the club and installing stealing values, but that he'd that the blood and thunder had continued and you know players hadn't been given a chance. And he kind of gave a couple of examples of like Rory Dodge, who've gone elsewhere and, and done well for themselves. I think when, when John Barkley left, there was a kind of perception that it was all John Barkley kind of throwing his toys out the pram and um you know maybe it was him that hadn't been able to kind of adjust to the the ember way of working but reading that article and now given the way that Cockrell's time at Ember has come to an end you do wonder whether or not you know these this are you know there have been issues behind the scenes that we haven't been aware of there's there has to be something there um you know when when Barkley left or retired we all kind of rolled our eyes and thought he's going for clickbait with some of his comments that he that he made when he let, when he retired because he was looking for a job. Um, but then you see um, Matt Scott, not who was performing incredibly well with Edinburgh, um, be you know moving away and saying he didn't want to go. Um, he then we then talk about um, two British and Irish Lions who have signed for Worcester um, when. We're paying big money to keep Jamie Ritchie uh, in a long-term contract within 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 Edinburgh now. Obviously, um, Jamie Richard R- Jamie Ritchie is a is a, a an SRU project player. But on the other side of things, if you're going to pay good money for Mish and for 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 Jamie Ritchie, you would expect them to be keeping Duhan, keeping Rory Sutherland, who are both incredibly high performers for the club. So. It, it, there's there's something there was something going on, and then we're talking that we started talking about how how the even when we had all of our 
superstar players back. The um, the attack was so blunt, and we weren't we were the soft underbelly of, uh, of of Edinburgh was being exposed on a regular basis. There was something going on, and you know, let's let me let me clarify my point. Um, I'm I'm he's done a huge amount for Edinburgh. He's really taken Edinburgh and turned them upside down, shaken them until until they've actually seen sense and got on with the job. The problem you have um, is that, as you say, no leadership group. Uh, it's all Cocker's way or the highway. That's not going to survive in the modern day rugby, professional rugby um, uh, setup. You know. Yeah. Um, so Rory, who, who's next then? Because we did a, we did a fan poll earlier in the week. Mike Blair came up, kind of resoundingly top with sixty four percent. Then it was Roddy Grant, John DL, and Callum McRae, who's who's got interim charge. I think it's probably pretty damning of Duncan Hodges' chances that he hasn't been put in temporary charge, given he's been given the reins previously. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple of other shouts in the in the, in kind of the comments of Ben Ryan was one who I think has was interviewed previously before Richard Cockrell, um, Sean Lanine, someone suggested, but. Um, that's maybe uh, the horse maybe gone on that one. So I don't know who. What, what's your kind of take on who should take over? Um, I mean, I think Mike Blair is a, a pretty obvious candidate. Candidate. The issue quite often with the SIU in the past has been it, it's been the fairly obvious candidate, or they've just kind of grabbed one off the scrape, scrape one off the insides of Murrayfield from somewhere. So I mean, and a pot, you know, Callum McRae taking over would be, you know, nobody would really be surprised by that. Or yeah, someone like Mike Blair or Don John Dale being kind of shunted sideways from another position, um, kind of proving the old it's impossible to get fired sort of uh, from from the SRU thing. I mean, but at the same time, you know, when they did announce uh, Crockerell and Dave Rennie, everyone was like, "Wow, those are you know those are ballsy signings. That's the sort of thing we want to see." So they they might go for that. I guess it depends how much how much cash they they've they've got and who's who's out there. I mean, there's a few guys of. Uh, mentioned on Twitter, someone like say Jason O'Halloran, who's got a kind of more of a a back attacking play, you know, remit. Someone like him, maybe. But I mean, wh- whether he'd be interested, I think he probably interviewed for it at the same time as Ben Ryan and and Crockerell did. Um, whether you know all those bridges have been burned. Um, maybe Jim Mallander fancies taking over. I don't know what, if he's enjoying whatever it is he's doing at Murrayfield. I don't know if Jim um, Mallander enjoys doing anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I mean, certainly Mike Blair, as a in terms of his kind of background with Edinburgh and his kind of attacking pedigree, you would think would be a good fit if he's in if he's a if he's a great coach. But nobody really seems to know because he's not that experienced. Um, do you want to give him? Is it is it time for another rebuilding period at Edinburgh? Because that's what it would be if they if they brought in someone new. I mean, they, yeah, they've lost a, lost a lot of players. Um, but yeah, they they need. It was clear when Cockers came in, they needed someone to give them a kick up the backside, and and he gave them that. But I mean, that's Cockers and Solomon, two kind of old school coaches that they've had. They, they need someone a bit more, a bit more modern in the kind of in the Tooney mindset, if you like, who who's open to new ideas and and is building more of a kind of you know going and learning from other sports and all that sort of modern coaching stuff rather than just shouting at them. Yeah. Uh, Johnny, I mean, from, from a Glasgow point of view, you've had the internal appointment of someone like Gregor Townsend that's gone extremely well. There's a lot of Embra fans in my mentions on that poll kind of 
shouting for a big name and in the words of somebody like Dave Rennie, but that didn't particularly work out very well for Glasgow overall. I don't <laughs> maybe I mean I suppose that from a from a from a performance point of view and results point of view, it, may, it did work out well for a legacy point of view and, and building something longer term at Glasgow, probably not. So what I mean what what, what do you think in Edinburgh's interest? Is it an internal appointment to develop a Scottish coach or do they need to go and find a big name? I think it depends what they want to do, to be honest. I mean, like Rory says, there's there's certain appointment that's that's going to mean a full rebuild. And do you want to do that in the first year of this new competition? Or do you want to go out and get somebody who you think can make you competitive straight away? Which kind of basically happened with us with, with Dave Rennie. But then, like you say, once he moves on, and they do seem to move on at a fair rate from the, the URC, and then are you left with having to do a full rebuild anyway? So... There's there's pros and cons to both, and I, I think it kind of comes down to what the SRU and what Edinburgh want to do now, whether they want to go into this new URC, starting a full rebuild and just saying, you know, it's a new competition, we've got a new coaching structure, let's just start from the bottom, or do they want to, to get into the competition aiming to get straight into the European, into the Champions Cup, compete at the sharp end of the competition, in which case you need to get in somebody that's got the pedigree to do it straight away. Who, what, what would your choice be then, Ian? Um, I selected Roddy Grant um, from, from your options. Uh, you know, young up-and-coming uh, coach, knows the, the place inside out. Um, and also one thing that could be uh, a factor is, like, you know, Edinburgh, might, Edinburgh fans might want to get a big name. Money. Uh, again, the be-all and end-all. And obviously we know due to um, everything that's been going on, money is a bit tight. Um so I, I don't think they will massively push the boat out. Also, like Craig said, you know they've got two massive, massive players to fill there with uh, Rory Sutherland and Duhan van der Merwe. Um, last year as well, you, you know we, we noticed that the, their standoff options were basically Nathan Chamberlain or nobody. Uh, once Duhan van der Merwe, uh, sorry, um, Jaco van der Waal got called up. Um, so I do think there needs to be a bit of a, a player overhaul, and I don't think they will push the boat out hugely. So I, I think it will be a, an internal uh, move. So uh, somebody like, well, I think Roddy Grant would be a good choice, but Mike Blair could also very much get the job. But if you do that, you're disrupting the national team. Um, so that's that's one thing. In fact, that was that was one of my my shouts. Um, but it will disrupt the national team, and that was Brian Eason. Um, I uh, Brian knows Edinburgh. He's he's, he's coached at Edinburgh before. Um, and he's a well-respected coach, and uh, I think he he would he could probably do something um, with uh, with Edinburgh. But again, he's he's already you know he's in he's in um, on the uh, Scotland women's side of things now. So it, it depends if he would. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if they would want to move him at this moment in time. But uh, I what, think he, who, he could what, move. what would what would be your preference then, Craig? As a, as an Edinburgh fan, would, would it be for are you because it, it's that difficult, isn't it? Because we need to we talked for a while now about giving Scottish coaches development opportunities and the ability to step into the big roles but at the same time it's a big step up it, it is um, but again we can't go any further down the league than we already are so it would be a, it would be an, an interesting option to 
bring someone in. We have a strong forward pack. We have a strong forward ethos now that can be continued on. I think we need to bring in someone who's going to open up the back plate. Um, so, you know, if we ended up with Mike Blair, I wouldn't be sitting here complaining. Um, uh, and that's, again, that's that's one of the reasons I mentioned Brian Easton as well. Um, but uh, um, I, I don't... Personally, out of, your, out of your poll, I went Mike Blair, just because you know, I, I think it's the easier, um, least expensive, um, uh, most bang for the buck sort of uh, move. But on the, because I, the problem you have is if you bring someone in a big name, pay them big money, you're taking that away from the team, um, and really it's the guys on the pitch that are going out there that are drawing the people in, the fans and the people who have just paid, spent all the money on season tickets. Who then, you know, that's one of the things that really. Um, rips, rips my knitting is the fact that they've that it's quite obvious that they knew Cockerell was going and they kept it all quiet until everybody you know look at the record look at the record sales of the season tickets and then all of a sudden no by the way Cockerell's gone um, I think that's a little bit that's a typical SRU move um, uh, not to get sued um, but uh, <laughs> apart from, um, so you know, they'll just they'll just not let Ian into any more games. But yeah, I think I think if we, I think if uh, you know, the, ideally, I'd love to get a you know, um, a, you know, I'd love to get Scott Robertson over from uh, the Crusaders, but that's not going to happen. So it's, you pretty much know it's going to be someone from within. Um, Roddy Roddy Grant might be a great move and might be, but you're going to have to pay money for him to come come back over. So I reckon it's going to be an internal one. Yeah, we should yeah. just also we also just have to mention Jake White because this is a vacancy in rugby, so we just. I was have just going to say Jake White, Jake White, and and Wayne, Wayne Smith, maybe. Wayne Smith, yeah. Any anybody else that has to be linked with a role in rugby anytime one oh, comes Finley, up. Finley well, Christ, Eddie, Eddie Jones, Chris uh, yeah. Christie, when he needs him, yeah, I he was <laughs> riding on the back of uh, Ben Velikop. Come on, I take it Kingsley Jones is just going to Skype in for anything we need him to do. It in That's it, yeah. <laughs> Special consultancy. I saw someone suge- I saw somebody suggest suggest Sean Holly, and I couldn't for the life of me understand where that came from. Because I don't think he's coached recently. He's more recent. I, he, I mean, if you want someone to come in and do the after dinner entertainment, you're probably going to upset Bruce Hson. But uh, he, he, you know, he's been doing a lot of comms and singing. Bruce Aitchison for Edinburgh head coach. There we go. There we go. I mean, Sorry. you know, similar. You know, you got similar kind of uh, hairstyles. <laughs> they should have just. I mean, they could have probably. What they probably could have done is gone full Stalin and just said, you know, hushed up that sacked him and just got shoved Bruce out there and then said, "This is this is got to put on a, a an English accent." Instructed Premier Sports only to shoot him from a from a distance. From a distance. Yeah. <laughs> Get an actor and to voice him. Yeah. Get him to bend down a little bit. <laughs> um. So that's that's Coxit as I'm as I'm calling it. Um, we'll we'll have more on that, no doubt, and more debate depending on when when Mike Blair's inevitably announced as the new Edinburgh coach in a couple of weeks. Um, the um, the other news today was um, the um, Xander Ferguson Ian has signed an extension to his contract. Now, using our SRU um, contract translator, I had extension down as a one year deal. But you think it's two? Yeah, they said long term. I think did they not? Yes, the uh, the the release email certainly. Anyway, I think on the you know on, on the first 
the platform said long term. So I believe that's, that's three years uh, under our translator, but it might be two. It is, uh, but also we need to remember he's uh, he's just had a, a little baby, so he probably doesn't want to up sticks and lose out on free childcare with the <laughs> the grandparents. Um, but obviously, it's, being... it's a good thing for us to, to sign him back because we've been hemorrhaging big name players. He's he's now a lion, of course. Uh, now I'm going to be cynical for a minute, Johnny, and. Obviously, Xander has been coming to the end of his contract for a while and there's been no news. It's interesting that it's been announced towards the end of the Lions tour where Xander hasn't maybe made as much of an impact as other players. So you wonder whether or not it's an element of, well, the, the other offers on the table either haven't transpired or haven't been attractive enough to, to kind of entice him away from the comfort of Glasgow. I mean, comfort in the nice way, you know, that like Ian said, he's just had a young baby and you'll have family nearby, but you wonder whether or not he was holding out to kind of see whether or not, you know, he, things worked well from on the Lions tour and, the, you know, there, there were some bigger offers on the table. Yeah, that's obviously worked for us, hasn't it? So it's um, it's pretty cynical, but it's, it's hard to see past it when you lay it out especially having just watched Sutherland do basically the exact same thing. Um, Glasgow have got so many good props now, I think, and, Z- and Xander is obviously the core of that. And he's the, he's, although he's, you forget how young he is, he's obviously the sort of the leader of the the front row and he's the, he's the, he's a lion now, but I mean, we've got Kebble there, we've got Pareto, um, Bergen and Jamie Batty coming in, Murray McCallum's coming, so Glasgow's stacked with props, and I can see why Xander would, would would maybe want to stick around and be involved. Yeah, I mean, I suppose we're being a bit cynical, really, but it's actually nice. I mean, we should be happy, I suppose, that the SIU are kind of keeping big names around when, like Johnny was saying, you know, Edinburgh, Hemorrhage, Duhan, and, and Rory Sutherland of late. Yeah, I mean, there, I think there were some rumours that Xander had some interest from France, but maybe it was like a Hugh Jones thing where the team that were interested in him got relegated or something and he decided he didn't fancy that. I mean, to be honest, I think uh, someone with his uh, his level of natural aggression, you know, French D2 would be like a perfect kind of <laughs> training ground for him. If he wasn't a British and Irish Lion, obviously, you know, he's... he's but I think I, I'd love to see Zambags tearing it up down there. But um, yeah, I think... It's a good, it's a good move to Glasgow that they can that they can retain him. If they move to D two, he'd have to put a brick in the sandbags. You <laughs> <laughs> would never see him in a Scotland shirt again because I think all the suspensions would carry over to international, yeah. wouldn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. If he if he had to got a move to France, you, you know, he could have naturally fin- finished off in in D two like uh, like like uh, Biggers. He finished off down there, did he not? Just he did yeah. Of... So think, you know. Yeah, he gradually fought his way down the French leagues. I think I think it would have been good good for him to to scrummage against, you know, scrum in the fr- playing in the French top fourteen would certainly have done his scrummaging some good. Um, I mean, he's already pretty useful, but that would have just been a, a great sort of uh, proving ground for him, and and would definitely have helped Scotland. Um, but yeah, as you say, maybe the young family, maybe it was sort of non rugby reasons that kept him here. We forget he gets four games to scrimmage against South Africans now as well from this season. So it's not weekend yeah, yeah, in the, the top 14, but it is facing the Springboks four times a year, basically. So. 
You see as well, um, speaking of props, I mean, Glasgow lost a fair number. Um, Darcy Ray, Adam Nicholl, they've all gone. Uh, I see um, Aki Suley has just signed for the, the Dragons. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Yeah. It's Craig... probably not one of his 40s, but running a vertical <laughs> lunatic definitely was. <laughs> Craig, where, where cause it, cause it was a bit of a, you know, Murray McCallum had been let go and then suddenly pops up at Glasgow as is, as is tradition for Ember Castoffs. <laughs> Um, to have his second, his second wind, you know. Do you think that Richard Cockrell, kind of maybe having plans to leave, has maybe left Emberg a bit, bit sparse up front in the in the scrum? Um, well, yeah. Now that you know, because Murray McCallum was always a, a stalwart of the team. He was always around. He was always there. The problem that you have is he never really got a lot of game time, um, and that was uh, that was. Pretty poor for the guy. Um, you know, he's a decent scrummager and he he, he did okay. Um, I think with Suz going, um, I, th- I think we are looking a little bit kind of. Um, there's a lot of weight going down in the shoulders of uh, of one younger South African and one aging South African who who is is halfway out the door. Um, so you know, we'll have to see where we are. We've got um, we've got a, you know we've got a couple of front rowers coming in, but. I just don't know. The problem is, I think we're all a little bit at sea now with Cockers. You know, we, everyone kind of trusted that Cockers had a plan um, and everything was moving forward. And then all of a sudden, it's all kind of upside down. So right at this moment in time, I'm not sure where we are. Um, and I suppose you've now got Pierre Schumann's going to be Scottish qualified. I think he may yeah. be, as of next week, Scottish qualified, um, yeah. unless there's a, a massive injury in the South African front row and they decide to call him up. This is surprising the third tests. Um, but they, 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 they would, they would, uh, you know, I'm a great uh, human believer, so uh, I think they would do. Um, they wouldn't do too bad if they called him up. Yeah, but I mean, it's not. I suppose he he's likely to be called up, so it maybe leaves come you know the autumn internationals. It's going to leave Ember a little bit light, perhaps. Yeah, very much so, um, and that's. I think that's going to be the, the challenge of whoever's coming in. Um, they're going to have to. Uh, they they have to. Well, unless unless Schumann goes down the route of um, Van der Volt, where he gets a cap and then he's kind of left off the bench for for someone for a full, for a, you know left off the team sheet for a fullback to come come in and play at ten. You know, um, uh, you know, I'd. I really don't know. I, I worry about what they're going to do with Schumann um, because I think he's he's committed himself a little bit too early to Scotland and saying, look, I love it here. I love being here. I love being in Edinburgh. I love uh, everything that's going, going on around here. And then all of a sudden he gets one cap and then he's kind of left on the, on, on the, um, on the, the sidelines, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sandy Smith, formerly of the, the podcasting blog, does his own uh, blog, which is the Borough Watch. If you want to go on there, he's got a, a squad depth list on there. So, the loose head, you've got Pierre Schumann, Bone Venter, and Sam Graham's Law. Yeah. Uh, then on the tight head, you've got WPNL, Leroy Atalifo, and Luan de Bruin. So, it's, I suppose you get down beyond those first two choices, Rory, and it's, it's looking a little bit sugly for Edinburgh. Full disclosure, I've only heard of Schumann and Nell out of that lot from per- peripheral passing interest in I, last season. I thought, I thought Graham Slaw was something that you bought uh, instead of Coleslaw in Waitrose. Could be. Um, yeah, the, it, the depth is going to be an issue, but then maybe that that's something they're looking at to to make a signing 
but again, not having not having any idea of who the who the coach is going to be, you know, they need to they need to sort that out quickly so that they can if they're if they're planning to sign anymore. Ironically, Murray McCallum, who can play both sides, would have been a useful person to have. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe maybe he'll come back. He's only on a one year deal. Maybe the new coach will manage to lure him back if he has a good season at Glasgow. But he might get he might just be absorbed into the Warrior Nation. I'm thinking. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, the, the, there was I've forgotten his name now, but uh, there was a prop, a Scottish qualified prop, played against the Lions. Um, Nathan Macbeth. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, you never know. He may be um, if he's not getting a, he's not if he's not on on target for a Springbok cap. He might get. A... Are we are we sure this isn't another case of someone being ginger and with Mick in the surname and no, Ivan Scottish? Apparently, Scottish. Doesn't he? Yeah, he played yeah. Uh, played for under twenties. Yeah, right for for both. Yeah. Oh, he was that lad, wasn't he? He was. I remember that he was the lad that they brought over from South Africa for the under twenty tournament <clears> once, <throat> didn't they? And he played a couple of yeah. games. They went back. I remember him now. Yes, big lad, big lad. Yeah, yeah. So who knows? We'll watch watch this space. Um, Martin Bell says Graham Slaw is the uh, is a well known brand of particularly green coast law, only available in the greater Hoyk area. Macbeth is coming to Edinburgh. No, we don't know, Martin. If you know more than us, let us know. Um, <laughs> we'll have to Google it now. We'll have to Google it. Um, one just tiny little bit of news before we move on to the uh, to the main thing we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Jade Conkle's back and signed for Harlequins after going off to be a fire fighter in London. She's done a, obviously done a training in, in, in return to rugby, which is wonderful to see and be wonderful for the for the Scotland women's team when uh, when competitions start up again. Right, we're going to go on and we'll go do this now. It's the legally mandated Lions chat. The legally mandated Lions chat. We've heard so much about it that it makes us sick. But we've still got a chat about who Gatlin's going to pick. Right, we're going to talk about Saturday's Lions test, but by the time most of you are listening to this, it will be completely irrelevant because they moved the team announcement. So the plan was to record this a couple of days beforehand so people would have a chance to listen. Um, and then um, we would be predicting our Lions 15s, and that would be a bit of fun. But um, like I said 10 o'clock tomorrow, I think the team gets announced, so it's all pretty much uh, moot our discussion. So two things. First of all, we've got the leaked Lions team that's been leaked to the times more on that later uh and then also we'll then just do our own kind of 15s based on on the tournament so far for a little bit of fun but we'll, we'll talk maybe maybe talk about the leaked team to start with um so according to the times um the british and irish lions team to face south africa on saturday will be stuart hogg anthony watson elliot daly and robbie henshaw duhan van der merwitt dan bigger ali price win jones luke cowan dickey tag furlong Sorry, Tig Furlong. It's like Tiger without the R, apparently. Um, Alan Wynne Jones, Mario Toji, Courtney Laws, Tom Curry, and Jack Conan. And then on the bench, Ken Owens, Rory Sutherland, Kyle Sinkler, Tag Byrne, Hamish Watson, Ian Henderson, Connor Murray, and Owen Farrell. Now, the I'm not I'm not entirely 100 percent convinced that that is going to be the team because there Russ Petty put something on Twitter earlier that said within that team there's only one combination that have played together so far on this tour whereas in previous tours you're talking double figures before you get into the first test match um 
Ian, the it wouldn't though. A few people were saying this is the kind of crap that Gatlin pulls, but it's also the kind of crap that Gregor Townsend likes to pull as well. So, <laughs> um, is I mean, do you see this being the test squad? Um, I'll, I'll believe it when I officially see it. Um, um, yeah, like you said, um, the, the, a lot of the combinations have played together. Um, Robbie Henshaw's not played very often. What I am particularly enjoying is seeing the meltdowns from other countries <laughs> that Ali Price has been picked. Um, <laughs> even though he's by, he's been far the best scrum half on the tour, mm. and I, don't, I think you can say otherwise. Um, if you want a meltdown, just look at the top right corner of your screen, you'll get one. Isn't that right, Mr. Manson? <laughs> I'm not melting down at all. I have said <laughs> regularly on this podcast that I am Julia Fiverr because I never even thought that Ali Price should be going. And look at the play that he's he's been... Well, either that or the other two scrum halves have performed incredibly poorly. Um, but I, 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 I'm over the moon for Ali Price and kind of gutted that I uh, have to say that you were right, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not... I, I suppose the... If that is the squad, it seems to me that they've decided to do what we've said all along they shouldn't do, which is to try and match the box up front in terms of physicality, Johnny, that they've put Courtney Laws on the flank, I suppose, to counter the South African threat. But you don't... I don't think you can win against the Springboks by trying to match them physically. You have to try and find a way to go around and over the top of them. Yeah, I don't know. Some, something about it just makes me think that there's there's just a few too many curveballs for it to be what the actual team's going to be. Um, I mean, we know that, that Gatland and, and Townsend, obviously, both like the occasional curveball, but there's a lot in that squad. And it is a lot of, of looking like we're going to go out and, and beat up on South Africa, which you're not. <laughs> like, plain and simply... No, you're not. I know, and there's all this chat about South Africa. I've got Quagga Smith starting at eight, so it's not the hugest pack they could pick, and we can we can maybe kind of target that. But let's give him let's give him his full title: Edinburgh Reject Quagga Smith. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think he's obviously still in there for a reason. South Africa have got their their bomb squad front row on the bench, so they're obviously coming out to to make an impact and then they're going to bring those guys on and, and try and blow our, our set piece away. And I, I don't think that, that looking at that and trying to match it is the way to go, but Gatlin's the one who's won and drawn the tour. So the, if that's his team, we'll trust it. The only thing I can think, Rory, with some of these selections is that if, if the plan has been from the start that you're going to utilise Finn Russell in some way, during games and and they've kept he's still on tour and is apparently ready for the second test going to be fit for the second test and I think we you said in the group chat the other day that you, you know you don't these tours are brutal you don't keep somebody around unless you're going to use them so my only thought with this is that they they've got a plan to kick behind the spring box and they need two kickers in the backfield to do that and in the absence of Finn Russell the only person who can do it alongside Stuart Hogg is Elliot Daly. So yeah. that's why he he makes it. Maybe that's the only explanation I can see for him at thirteen. Because otherwise, you know, where's Chris Harris? Yeah, I mean, I th- I have actually. I thought Daly's been okay in the last couple of games that I've seen him in since they started playing him thirteen. But there's too much in that team. It's like um, what's the movie? 
Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, you know, where they they just release different sets of fake information to see where the leak is. I reckon Gatlin's <laughs> they've agreed the team in the team meeting and then Gatlin's gone. I've been listening to this Scottish Rugby podcast. I've heard about this thing called the Tuni Tombola. Gregor, give us your five alternate teams and we'll leak <laughs> them out and we'll see who's we'll see who's a snitch. And it was Rebecca I mean, Valdi. Yeah, like I mean Jack Jack Conan at number eight. There's almost no evidence that he needs to be starting at number eight. I mean, yeah, how many times has he played? It feels like he's only played one game and not really done much of much of anything. So they're throwing him in for the first test. I mean, I yeah, I get Falata hasn't been as impressive as everyone was kind of hoping him he would be, but I just think it, it seems it seems weird that the other thing about the combinations as well, the front row combinations. Um, Gatlin's pretty astute, and that feels. If it, I mean, you're right. It feels more like a Townsend thing to do to just kind of completely ignore the evidence of <laughs> three, 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 four weeks and just pull something strange out of the air. And yeah, bamboos are the Springboks. The, the big omission for me is Bern because yeah, yeah. because he's players. actually been superb. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as well, you know, he's he's really good over the ball. Uh, he's a line option as well, because, you know, he's like six foot five, six foot six. Um, but his, the main thing is he's been playing at his skin. You know, he's just a really good all-round, all-action uh, flanker uh, and versatile. Um, so I don't. I think Conan's played twice, and I, I think he's played really well. Um, but maybe just because Falatow hasn't hit the peaks we yeah. were expecting. Um but yes, I'll let I don't know, someone else talk now. Sorry for jutting in there. But, but it's just because I think leaving burnout, I think it's just daft. Yeah, well, and that's another si- signal that it can't it can't be real because that's that seems seems ludicrous. Um, even not to yeah, is he is he on the bench in that squad? I think maybe he's in the bench. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean the bench looks a bit wonky as well with it. I mean Murray and Farrell as your as your two replacements. You're relying a lot on. I mean, I suppose you 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 rely goal that's, kicking. I suppose, yeah. I mean, that's a Scotland split, right? That you you would have Hastings and you know Horn or another scrum half on the bench, with knowing that Hastings can come on and cover fullback, and that there's enough coverage on the pitch in someone like if you have Chris Harris playing. I suppose like with Elliot Daly can cover fullback. So I suppose that if they were doing that, there is enough coverage elsewhere on the pitch to to fill in. And that Farrell can cover ten and twelve. Otherwise, I suppose with Finn Russell out, unless you're going to put Marcus Smith on the bench, which seems outrageous. I mean, it'd be fun, but it seems outrageous. Then Farrell is the natural choice to be on the bench because he's the only. Unless you're talking about playing Stuart Hogg at ten in a you know Alliance Test match, which is utter madness, Craig. <sighs> Yes, I've said that many times. I've always preferred my my, my hoggy at fifteen. To be perfectly honest with you, um, no, I, I, you see, this is the whole thing. This is what I, what throws me completely, um, and and what we've constantly gone on about. Um, everyone says, "Oh, Mish is too small to go up against the mighty South Africans," and everyone said, "Well, no, no, hold on a minute. We're trying to play a different way. You can't, you can't match." Um, the, the, the spring box up front you can't take them on heavy so you're going to go and that's how it seems to have shown with um, for example having Mish having um, uh, the, the, the the back line that they have um, using you know okay fair enough Duhan um, out in the wing is a big lad but he's, he's, he's a fast big lad but 
so the six the six two split on the bench is one that's throwing me slightly because I would have thought it would be nicer to well for me it would be better to see um, Connor Murray um, Marcus Smith because I thought he did an incredibly good job um, and then Daly on the on on the bench as well so you've got your ten you've got your twelve you've got your thirteen you've got your full back all covered uh, and your nine uh, covered and drop Ian Henderson. And then you would have um, Courtney Laws on the bench, have your have Ty Byrne, um and Hamish Watson uh, starting with Conan at the back. So that that was my, you know, that's that's how I'd, I I'm, I would have if if they were going along this line of we're going to try and beat South Africa a different way, then that's what I would have expected to see a little bit more of rather than putting a big load of big lads, big lads on the pitch, you know. Yeah, Martin Bell says in the comments, he says, wait for this to come up, uh, loads of mobility in the Lions three forward replacements suggest they plan to keep the pace up front very quick throughout as they move the box around for 80 minutes. Harris mission is a scandal, I'll give you that. I mean, the only thing I can think with that is that Hamish Watson for me is an 80-minute player. So, you know, I'll give you that if there's somebody better than Hamish Watson, by all means, you know, Mish off the bench is a you know, a useful weapon, but but Hamish Watson isn't somebody that fades during matches. He gets, you know, he'll he'll get you a turnover at eighty minutes plus one under the posts. So I don't think you lose anything by starting Hamish Watson and playing him for eighty minutes compared to bringing him off the bench late in the game, Rory. No, I mean, yeah, you can see you can see why there's a kind of argument for for Curry in there, and it's it's tricky. Does Watson actually, because he pretty much only plays seven, is he versatile enough to be on a bench? Maybe with a six-two split, he is. They've got that the luxury of having an extra open side. Um, but yeah, it does. It does seem a bit. Um, you're not going to beat South Africa up, so why sort of why why try? Um, and the worry is that if you try and your forwards try and beat South Africa up. South Africa up, then you then South Africa beat your backs up, and you've only got two replacements on the on the bench. Yeah, but then yeah, we end up with Hamish Watson at thirteen, which is what we all want. That's the dream. Yeah, or Ali, yeah. Ali Price on the wing again. Um, <laughs> Mark and Cheslin Colby. That'll be that'll be fine. Johnny, what were you going to say? Yeah, like I my bench would be a five three split because I I can see the. The theory and the attraction of a 6-2 bench if you're someone like South Africa or England who's going out to beat people up and you're going to bring on another fresh set of forwards and you're going to do it again. If you're going out to smush people, then a 6-2 bench makes sense. If you're the potential smushy, which we are in this situation, you want you want to have as much cover as you could possibly get and I think an extra back can make all the difference. We saw it, we've seen it on this tour already when we'd gone out with a 6-2 bench and ended up shorter backs. Went out with a seven-one bench, which admittedly wasn't through choice, but we've ended up shuffling people around and playing them out of position, and, and you can't really do that in a test against the Springboks. So, personally, I'd have a five-three split. But who who's your who would be your preferred fifteen then, Johnny? You want my whole fifteen? Go on then. You, hang on, I wrote it down. So uh, he's, been, he's been bombarding me all for the last <laughs> six months with this. He's been looking uh, forward to it. Suz, Ken Owens, uh, Tyke Furlong. I've got Adam Beard, Maro Toji, because I wasn't sure about Alan Wynne-Jones. And Adam Beard is the defensive weapon against the, the Springbok set piece. He's he's the line-out stopper for, for a start. He's the mall stopper. He is 
the the best defensive lock I think we've got against the South African set piece. And then I've got Tyg Byrne, Mish, and Falatau. Because I yeah, think you're right, Falatau's been quiet, but you don't you don't see how good he is until you see someone else do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, so we'll, I think we'll see Kona do it and then go, well, actually, Falatau is quite good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what about what? what's your kind of forward pack compared to that then, Craig? Have you got anything, anyone different in there? Uh, my, uh, I, I would have put Alman Jones in instead of Adam Beard. Um, I think if they're going to fly him out there, they're going to use him. Um, I think he's, 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 he knows what he's doing. Um, I'm, I agree with Johnny with Suz. Um, but I'm a cow- did you put Cowan Dickey in, Johnny? No, I've got Ken. I would put Cowan Dickey in the front row. Um, at I've got Cowan Dickey on the bench. <clears throat> yeah, I, th- I think he's a, I think he's, uh, I think he has performed. In fact, I would say he's probably going to be the bolter for the for the test series. Um, I think he's been an absolute fantastic or, or the star. I think he's done a, a fantastic set of games. Um, and then I, I was I was kind of throwing. I would have rather had. Co- I'm I'm a Conan fan. I would have Conan in the, in the eight instead of Falato. Um And then um, I would have had um, uh, Bern and Watson. Yeah. Um, Ian, any differences to those? Um, I started Win Jones at Lucid. Uh, I've got Kevin Dickey as well. Uh, also, and not just because of his name, um, I've got Ian Henderson starting alongside the Toji at lock. Mm. Um, and then my back three was uh, Bern Watson and Curry at eight as a wee, wee curveball. Um, I, I can see the argument for playing Curry and Watson together. Um, as well, like one of the things with, I mean, Henderson is. I saw somebody said that Henderson was soft on Twitter, and I was like, "Would you actually say that to him?" And if you did, how many teeth do you think you'd have left? Um, it's just chaos. I mean, Henderson as well. He's 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 versatile and can go to flanker if he's injured. Um, I had AWG on the bench because I'm not sure he's going to be fully like, cardio fit. Um, I think he'll start the second or third test, but I don't think he'll start this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Ian, Henderson, Ian Henderson, to me, I think the problem with Ian Henderson, why people think he's soft, is because of his face. He's got a baby face, so he looks like three small children standing on top of each other in a trench coat. As well, I think that's a wee bit more mobile as well, because like you were saying yeah. there, how you don't want to smash people off the park. Um Conan, I think, is very unlucky, uh, and that he is—he's basically just a flat-out eight. So I've got Falato on the bench because he can also call up uh, blindside. Um, and my front row bench was Owens, Sutherland, and Kyle Sinclair. Okay, Rory, any differences to those? Uh, not really. I'm kind of torn between George and Cowan Dickey in the hooker, just because some of Cowan Dickey's. Um, Tackling techniques scare me a little bit, but then I kind of picked Har- Farrell at twelve, and there's only really room for one of them in my team, so I'm going to probably go for George. But other than that, um, yeah, Sutherland, Farlong, uh, Itoji, Alwyn Jones, and the Burn Watson Falatau back row. Yeah, same, same as most of the most of the lads. Um, what then, Ian? Your your kind of don't give us your backs. Um, yeah, I've gone Hog uh, throwback. Um, Josh Adams, because this this league side doesn't have Josh Adams anywhere, and I think that's a bit mental seeing he's you know, top try scorer in the tournament. Um, Chris so Harrison, <laughs> uh, Tommy, 
Tommy Seymour, I mean. Yeah, uh, Robbie Henshaw at 12. I picked, I picked Doohan bigger in price. Um, just because... How can you leave Doohan out? It just... It takes more than one player to tackle him every single time. And that just opens up. You know how, like, space is key now in, in, in rugby matches because defences are so well organised. He can... If you put... You know, if you can clear out straight after him, he's going to make you space by just stomping all over people. Um, and then my back uh, on the bench, I had Connor Murray, uh, Marcus Smith because he's been fun, um, and also he's you know because he he does have actual real pace as well. If you bring him on late in the game, um, whether you're chasing it or if uh, South Africa are chasing it, you know he can he can transition quickly and throw a little bit of flair. And Lee Williams I had on the bench as well just because he can do wing and um, wing and fullback. Yeah. Um, Johnny, your backs? Uh, exactly the same, except I've got Anthony Watson instead of Doohan. Okay. Just purely because I think he's uh, uh, he's better under the high ball and he's a better kicker. Uh, like, and I don't like this narrative that Doohan's not good under the high ball because he is, but he's a bit. If he if he gathers a high ball in the backfield, he's a bit one-dimensional. And admittedly, that dimension is he's going to power ahead and take four or five South African bodies with him. But Watson might run, might kick. He's he's just got a bit more flexibility, I think. So he gets in for me ahead of Duhan. And then I've got um, Murray, Farrell and Daly on the bench. And that's just purely for the versatility that they could all... Well, Farrell and Daly could all cover multiple positions. So Yeah. Uh, Craig... Any differences for you? Uh, no, ma- no major differences. Um, I went, I went with Watson on the on the wing along with Duhan, um, uh, Hogg at the back, Harris, um, and then uh, uh, bigger and I'll obviously Ali Price. I'm going to say it, Johnny, Ali Price at nine. <laughs> um, but my, on on my bench, I would have Marcus uh, Marcus Smith, um, Connor Murray, and I would also have uh, Elliot Daly. Yeah, Rory. Yeah, uh, much the same, Hog. Uh, in fact, probably not that much the same. I've gone bigger in price at halfback. Uh, wings, I've gone for uh, Williams just because I've been slagging him off all week and uh, and, and Adams. Uh, and in the centre, I've gone for Farrell and Harris because this is a fantasy team. It's not a realistic Lions team. <laughs> and so I've been, and that's I've just had to throw my bench together there now, and that means I've gone for a six-two bench. So you can pretty much disregard everything I said a minute ago. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what the actual test team is tomorrow. The plan is that on Thursday evening we're going to uh, do a live podcast that will be live on YouTube for everybody, uh, but available to patrons only for uh, on Facebook and um, as an audio download as well. And we'll we'll talk in a bit more detail about the South African squad and the actual line squad as that's been announced as well. Um, we're going to move on. Though. We're going to do this now.
Yes, it's hands in the rock time. It's our any other business section of the podcast. And we've had one in on the email. Uh, you can email us podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk. This is from Peter Duncan. And I have clarified it is sadly not the Peter Duncan uh, from Blue Peter, but, but Peter's very welcome anyway. He's, he did apologize for not being Peter Duncan from Blue Peter. Uh, he said, my hands in the rock is Scottish players signing for poor English premierships teams. Both Rory Sutherland and Duhan van der Merwe are signed for Worcester, who are consistently fighting in the relegation zone. I would have thought these two in particular could find a better club. Is this due to the promises of a club on the rise or difficulties finding a club due to England qualified quotas? I want to see Scotland boys challenging for trophies just to see how good a move for X has been for Hoggy and Johnny Gray. Um, Johnny, what's your take on that? Do you think do, do Scottish lads need to set their sights higher before they, they jump ship in south of the border? I think it's probably mostly due to the fact that uh, Duhan's been paid 15% of the entire SRU wage budget by Worcester, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> um, I think, you know, and it's a, it is a really valid point because the guys who have gone to Exeter have done really, really well. Um, and Johnny Gray in particular has developed all aspects of his game at Exeter that he couldn't do at Glasgow because he was relied on to do all the tackling in, uh, in Glasgow and, and had become a bit one-dimensional. Now he's surrounded by better players at Exeter. He's developed other aspects of his game, and it has been brilliant for him and for Scotland, and the same with mm-hmm. Hoggy and the same with all the other guys. Um, but not everybody is going to get to a, a championship-challenging quali- quality of team, unfortunately, and and all of the English teams pay a lot more money than we can, so if, if Duhan's going to get that sort of chunk of, of cash to play at Worcester... It's, it's hard to argue with his, his reasoning, I suppose. I suppose the, other, the worry, though, Rory, is that a lot of players that we've seen for Scotland who've been, you know, in the international setup, really kind of key players have then gone down south and have have faded away. I think someone like Josh Strauss, for example, you know, yeah, very well at Glasgow and then kind of went to sail and slowly drifted away from the international setup. Yeah, I mean, there's always. It seems it seems to happen. I think it, part of it's maybe a rating. You know, there's the how other clubs or other um, management teams rate the Scottish players. I mean, you probably, if you look at the the Premiership teams, maybe nobody other than Worcester thought that Rory Sutherland and Duhan were going to be Lions. I bet they could get their pick of the pick of the teams now if they were negotiating a new contract. Um, I think you know in in the past there's been issues. I mean, looking back to the likes of Chris Patterson. You know, we all thought he was amazing up here, but then he kind of went down and was fairly kind of medium at, Gloucester, at Gloucester. And I think there are there. You know, it takes it takes a lot of hard work for some of the Scottish lads to kind of get the get the the respect down there, um, because you know for years some of them weren't weren't that great, and so they were kind of having to go off slim pickings. But we're starting to see now, guys. You know, Hugh Jones getting a good a good deal um, with uh, with Quinns, and. It was Quincy signed for, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Guys, you know things like, like like that. We're starting to see the players, can, you know, Finn getting a big big contract in France, earning yellow Lamborghini money. Um, I think it's you know the, the guys are starting to get that, that bit more respect, and yeah, I think that that was maybe just you know if if Sutherland and Duhan were trying to get out from out from under at Edinburgh, maybe that was all that was on the on the table at that point. Although you, I mean, you can see the obvious attraction of a guy like Duhan for for any club really, but for for a team that, that struggles to win games, um, you know the difference that 
he's he can make tries out of not very much. You know, you give him the ball at close range and you're almost guaranteed, you know, if they're a team that gets gets into the twenty two, gets into the into the five meter zone, but it's quite often not coming up with points. Um, you know, a guy like him can make the difference because he, you know, he did time and time again for Edinburgh. That would suggest that the Worcester, what Worcester, are money balling this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Craig, I mean, is, is it a worry for you that we keep seeing players kind of disappear down south to clubs and maybe fade away a wee bit? For for me, it's a it's probably a, a seventy thirty split. You want to keep um, all of our players up in Scotland playing for the two teams that we love, and we want to see them out and join the crowds, etc. But you also want them to go and experience more different rugby um, to bring it back for Scotland and actually to 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 improve um, Scotland's Scotland's results. Um, and I think that will that will happen. The, uh, Duhan's a different situation. I think Duhan's just gone for the money, and he's uh, you know he's 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 gone through both him and Suz, To be perfectly honest, have gone through a fairly tough time of it, and the, and they realise that um, their careers could be over with one swift boot to something. You know, it just it's just one of those situations that that can happen. So um, I think um, you know someone comes along and 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 Worcester are rebuilding and are spending money. So um, they've they've they've. Um, I think they've moved at the right. Uh, they've, they've taken the opportunity when they could, um, but it's going to happen. Um, I think we are seeing our, our Scotland players moving to clubs down south and then also to France, and they're creating a difference. Whereas they, they maybe didn't beforehand, but um, mm-hmm. but certainly um, certainly now, um, I think it's a career progression is the wrong word to say. I think it's a, it's good to get further experience. Yeah. Um, Ian, I'll start with you then. Your hands in the ruck this week. Um, I don't actually think of anything. Just everything. You know, it just... It's the, the echo chamber. Uh, Lions team selections. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I tweeted one myself, just as like, you know, somebody would end up asking eventually. Um, well, one thing, um, I think, oh, I believe this was one that was submitted to the Hugh Dan fans. Uh, Might have been Martin. Um, the, the, the sort of preemptive. The preemptive rage of Scotland fans about the team before it's even been selected. So, uh, you know, obviously we've we've discussed some of the guys that we want in there. I think a few of us picked Chris Harris, um, but it's better than Nout, and we had Nout for for the last like eight yeah. years basically. Yeah. So, yeah, um, ah, can we just take a chill pill here? Um, and this, I mean, this is the thing like this is it's a ridiculously good set of players to pick from. We can go, all right, I mean, I, I really like Elliot Daly as a rugby player. My only concern playing him at 13, I actually think 13 is his best position going forward. But I don't think he's a great defender. Um, you know, I think he gets himself out of position at times and he misses some tackles he'd expect somebody playing in that position to make. Uh, and obviously, South Africa is all about Jim Hamilton's favourite word, the physicality. Um, so if he messes that up, that's going to be a problem. Uh, but I mean, otherwise, you know, going forward, he's he's very strong. But I just, you know, there's there's so many good players here, and you can pick and choose and be. Don't don't be an asshole 
like the like like some of our, our neighbours who just completely disparage people. I've seen people going, Ali Price isn't fit to lace Cora Murray's boots. Well, Ali Price, I mean, Cora Murray only had like two good games during the Six Nations, and there were plenty of Ireland fans saying that he should be papped. I mean, James, uh, Jameson Gibson Park even started a couple of times. I think Murray was maybe struggling with injury the first game or so. But then he came back and he wasn't that good. I know, but, you know, just because their favourites aren't being picked, that's them throwing their toys at the pram. I even saw somebody saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see Kelp, uh, Colby, Step and Doohan again. They've not been on the pitch at the same time, you half what? <laughs> Maybe he, he remembers it from schoolboy, South African Yeah, I was like, what? I was going to bring back, like, was this in a uni game you saw, like, 10 years ago? <laughs> Um, speaking of a bit of Scottish fan, Johnny, maybe we should talk about your uh, hands in the rock. <laughs> it's uh, it's a mine's a bit more general than that, and it's I don't know if people are especially precious about the lions or if my jokes about the lions just aren't funny. But four or five times, probably in the last few weeks, I've tweeted something that I thought was mildly entertaining about the lions, and got just everyone telling me I'm being very unlionsy. You can't <laughs> yeah. see that. You're supposed to love everybody in the lions. Stop! Stop saying that. Because the first one, I think I, I tweeted saying, if I was Dan Bigger and Josh Adams in every game plan meeting, I would say to uh, Owen Farrell, "Listen, Owen, if we get a penalty inside the twenty-two, I think you should ask if time's on and then do a cross kick." <laughs> and, and the English got their hands on that and they did not like it at all. And I was like, guys, I thought it was quite funny, and then it, it, it seems to happen about once a week. And like, I love the Lions. I'm, a, I'm like a fully bought-in lionsy person, but I also quite like winding people up, and everyone seems to be really precious about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody. I don't think at the minute. I don't think it's not like other tours. I don't think anybody's genuinely going to start supporting South Africa in Scotland unless you're, uh, you know, unless you're the chap that Johnny and I engaged with today, who is an ultra. <laughs> Kind of nationalistic Scots who, yeah. who believed it was a British imperialist project, completely ignoring the fact it's Irish as well, um, and the feelings they might have about that sentiment. But uh, I think, yeah, it's you know I don't think anybody's seriously talking about supporting South Africa right now, and I don't think that I think there'll be enough representation in this Lions team to kind of negate that anyway. But it's still funny to joke about it, though, Johnny. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, that, well, that's what I thought, but maybe I'm just not funny. I suppose that. There is an element of that. I think it would be hilarious. You know, like each nation sort of, uh, I don't know if they're done it this year, but you know, they, they suggest a song from each country to sing. See if one of the Irish said, Oh, come out, you black and tans. That would be <laughs> yeah, I bet Ian Henderson would love that. <laughs> the three children stu- the three children that make up his body would be. <laughs> Uh, Craig, your hands in the ruck. Um, uh, I unfortunately, um, my hands in the ruck is a bit of a personal one, and I'm really, uh, really, really, really upset about it. And that is having to agree with both um, rugby, um, rugby royalty uh, in the comments section of Johnny McGinty and Stephen Jones, who have both said Ali Price should be nine, starting at nine at the test uh, for the test. Um, uh, the test squad, and I had to agree with them, and I'm really, really, really disappointed that. Well, stop clock, stop clock, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> I just Stephen Jones. Just every time he just breathes on a mic, 
makes me angry, and to have to agree with him is just doing my head in. So uh, I, the, only my can, the only thing I can think of it was a moment of clarity between glasses of port. <laughs> and it was either, it was it was either going and seeking help, or it was that Ali Price was a starting nine for the Lions. Joe, it was one of the two. I was just hoping that um, they were going to so some some of the South African authorities were going to break down his door because he keeps advertising uh, on his podcast etc that he talks on that they're uh, they're breaking the um, the uh, non alcohol um, uh, embargo in South Africa and keep oh that such and such oh. brings me a bottle of wine and such and, such. and I think. Get, get in there with the big long sticks and start rattling them. He is, he <laughs> is, to, you know, he is to rugby what Katie Hopkins is to international relations. So, you know, send him home, send him home, deport him like Katie, deport the <laughs> deport Stephen Jones campaign starts here. Craig, stop winding him up. Like, you know, he listens. You, we, 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 we've had a review from him. I think you're the last one standing. Come on. <laughs> I'm not blocked by him yet, which is he hasn't blocked me either. But then I've not engaged with him on on Twitter because I can't be just. I don't. I don't either. No, no. no. (laughs) I think he just heard about me saying what they wrote on his Wikipedia page, and um, (laughs) don't shoot, don't shoot the messenger. All right. I just made a reasoned point about Hamish Watson versus. I can't remember who it was. It was the last two, and I just said something, oh, something really mild about Hamish Watson, and then he blocked me. Speaking of, yeah, uh, is Quagga Smith too small to be playing for South Africa? Since they've picked him at eight. Too small to be playing for Edinburgh. Edinburgh reject. Edinburgh <laughs> yeah. reject, Quagga Smith. Um, the um, Rory Johans in the ruck. Um, we've, pretty much, we've pretty much covered covered them all. I mean, I'll, add, I'll just add Matt Dawson to the list because his, his line's twin. 23 was hilarious as well. Um, but I, as it is kind of any other business, I don't know if any of you, has anyone not seen the latest uh, Lions f- uh, video on YouTube? Not yet, no. Right, if, it, you, no. if you've not seen it then, can you guess who Rory Sutherland's best mate in camp is? Better not be Owen Farrell. There's, there's footage of them playing pool, cuddling, laughing and joking. At least not Courtney Laws. Nail on the head there, Johnny. Nail oh, on the head. no. Oh, no. Suz. Oh, he's gone down in my estimation. There's, you, him, there's your hands him the, the YouTube show, show, Didn't YouTube rabbit holes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to watch that now. That's <laughs> upsetting. Um, Alan, Johns, Alan Robertson says, hands in the rock. You only have to watch Tom Curry to understand why he's first choice. That is hands in the rock. People saying that. Um Oh, yeah. Did you see uh, Kev, Kev Miller's um, stat off? Like, so uh, Hamish Watson, who I still think whenever he's played has made the most tackles per game, or he certainly yep. has two or yep. three that I've watched, hasn't missed a single one. Uh, and Tom Curry has missed something like eight, I think. Wasn't it? Uh, Hamish Watson hasn't missed a tackle in two years now, apparently. Yeah. And hasn't conceded a penalty in, I can't remember this, uh, like a number of games. Life. Yeah. <laughs> apart, from, apart from his debut, Scotland debut. <laughs> Italy, yeah. That uh, wasn't his like, fault, bless him. Ever since then, he's like, you know what, I'm not I'm staying the hell away from all of these. <laughs> like, he got he got a look from Vern Cotter after that game and thought never again. Um My Hands in the Ruck was um there's a very Brexity article on Rugby Pass. And I say Brexity in the loosest sense of the world, more just the kind of the good old days sense of Brexit that 
it was somebody had posted saying um, that they were appalled by the amount of uh, sledging that goes on in rugby matches these days and that never went on in their, their day. And I was like, <laughs> I, I played rugby to like under 16 level, right, in the 90s. And sledging was ever present, even at like when I was 12 and playing rugby, you would sledge should- and swear at each other. Just, they should hear some of the stuff that me and Craig say about each other, never mind the opposition. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, that, that's something else I've said. I remember a touring match once came to Berwick. There's a touring uh, team, youth team came to Berwick once, and they, they only had 13 lads in the team. So they, they, lent us a, they lent a couple of players over, and it was me and a couple of other lads. And we just spent the entire time abusing our own teammates on the other side, which is really good fun, and telling the other team, the touring team, all the names to call them that would really wind them up. So it's always, it's just ridiculous. I think there's this, it just winds me up in the rugby. Rugby's particularly bad for it. I'm sure all sports are to a certain extent, but rugby seems particularly bad at people kind of harking back to the good old days that never actually bloody existed in the first place. I, I, there is there is one it, one part of the good old days that is true, is that the tackle height was slightly lower. People it was, tackled yeah. around the legs. <laughs> <laughs> and well, the, scrum, the scrums went, went down straight away and did they just go on with it. That, uh, yeah. the advice that John McGinn gave to Stephen O'Donnell when Jack Grealish came on when Scotland were playing England at the football a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. He was just like, yeah, it's like, right, don't wind them up. Like, because if you wind them up, he gets really angry. He's really good when he's angry. Just compliment him. So Stephen O'Donnell <laughs> spent, apparently spent like the last 20 minutes of that game just going, you've got really nice calves. Your hair's lovely. <laughs> like, what are you using your hair? It's lovely looking, by the way. That's the new. That's the new reverse, reverse legend. Reverse legend. Yeah, <laughs> I think that would work on hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on that note, then that's it for um, for this episode. Like I said, we'll be back on Thursday evening uh, to talk about the Springboks and the Lions team. However, that might uh, turn out. Uh, Thursday evening, so we live on YouTube, um, and then for Patreons, that'll be live on the Facebook page that we have for you. Plus, we'll have make an audio download afterwards. I'm away next week, so John's in the hot speed seat for um, a kind of review of the first test match, um, and then we'll uh, we'll be back after that uh, again. Uh, normal service will resume. John will try not to get banned from Facebook again. Um, for the moment, though, it is goodbye from me and goodbye from Ian, Johnny, Craig, and Rory. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.